Welcome to another episode of the Shift Street Podcast. I'm Edward Dussel, as always, sitting here with Arthur Black. What's up? Arthur's a little under the weather today, but uh, yep, it's going to power through. But uh, today we have a very special guest. We have Moni Buni. <laughs> did I say it right? Did you, you get did it right? Say it all right. right. Yeah. All right. Or you, or you can say Bunny. Money Bunny. It's a ridiculous name. I love it. I, I, I would scrappy Coco. I would go by Money Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my name forever. Even when I get married, I can't change it because I'm just Money Bunny now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you're. We're talking all over the place today. Uh, I mean, you just hugely. <laughs> Bigly is that the is that the official new word in the United States now? Bigly, she bigly, bigly won uh, speed rack. Did I like, mean, did, I don't know. You're not orange enough to use I'm, that I'm, word. I feel like I was about to say, <laughs> did Trump like, type that? In oh, a tweet it was, or something. Oh, it was a while back. There's so much noise in the air of Trumpisms now. It's he's just decided that that's a word. You know, you, there's a lot of words now that you just can't use. You can't use the word huge anymore because you just think of, of Trump. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. It's tremendous. Oh God. Even that word is terrible. Why are you ruining all the words for us, Trump? Come on now. Among other things. <laughs> Among I mean, I'll never be able to else. use Kofifi again. <laughs> <laughs> mm, God. Um, so yeah, no, we got uh, some bartending stuff to, to gab about. And then of course, I think the, the major topic is um, Sherry. The most wonderful wine in the world that no one knows anything about. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And you represent Lustau. Uh, and I don't know what your district is where you kind of cover your Midwest or. Um, so I'm based out of Chicago and Chicago is mostly my market. Um, I have been doing some stuff in outside markets. I've been. And so I came. I'm in Indianapolis today. I did a trade show in Minneapolis a few months back um, and I'm kind of like wherever they need me now um, I would love to expand my territory to the full Midwest I think I, I just want to teach people about sherry because I think it's a beautiful thing I think more people should drink it and you, I mean I remember the first time I had sherry it's a very distinct memory in my head it's weird <laughs> it's very distinct wine yeah and uh-huh. that's we talked about that a little bit earlier we just did a tasting with you uh, a couple hours ago but you know Amongst all of the bartenders there, the discussion was, how do we educate people enough without getting so geeky? Like, how do we educate people enough to get them to buy it, to go into a bar and to ask, you know, what kind of sherries do you have? Or even look at a sherry list and show some interest in that, you know? I think the key thing you just said there is how do you get people to buy it? Right. Yeah. Like, people don't appreciate how versatile it is. They don't appreciate how unique it is. It's a whole nother story to educate them on such a complicated beverage and this is this is one of the few beverages in addition to like say sake where i just i don't really feel talk comfortable talking about it without some kind of like visual aid to like mm-hmm. get people to get their mind around it because it is an extremely complicated beverage um one of the most complicated uh, from a fermentation standpoint production standpoint that i can can think of um yeah and like down the street, uh, Bluebeard asked me to come in and do a sherry thing. I figured I have like an hour. Like, I don't do well with 20-minute discussions. And they're like, well, yeah, come do some sherry for us. And got there, and she's like, can you do it in 25 minutes? And I'm like, all right, strap in, kids. Let's do this. <laughs> um, so, any case, uh, with all further ado, um, you yeah, want to talk about we... some, some bartending mojo? Well, yeah, before we get into that... Um, you know, I know you're feeling a little under the weather today, Arthur, but uh, did you have oh. anything to drink last night? <clears throat> um, I, unfortunately, uh, was traveling yesterday. I, I was over the weekend. I was at the uh, annual Napa Valley Barrel auction, 
and uh, that was all good and fun. Um, and then I was traveling all day yesterday, so I just drank real shitty airport alcohol. Airline booze. I think that could be why I don't feel so good today. Yeah, it, it likely is. That's one of my favorite things about flying on like international airlines, particularly like French ones. You know, like, yeah, you know, they when, have the nice, the yeah. nice things. When they're like, oh, what would you like for your dinner? Oh, and which wine would you like? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when we flew to Martinique, it's like... They when had, I did the Martinique trip, they had oh, the little Damaso. The Damaso on the plane. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, send those over. Exactly. I think we ordered all of the Damaso on the plane <laughs> on our way to Martinique. <laughs> so what did you have to drink last night? Uh, so I actually, it's funny, I started my day yesterday at 3 in the afternoon because I did not get out of work until, like, 6. Um, but I was I was crushing some Fino and tonics. Nice. That's a that's my summer thing now. Fino and tonic is great. Add a little bit of Suze or some Sailors for some bitterness, but it's it's perfect. That sounds delicious. Lime. Yeah. Beautiful. I had uh, not surprisingly um, high ester Jamaican rum. Uh, I had the Kill Devil, uh, which is a Hamden Estate bottling. It's uh, I believe it's bottled exclusively for K and L. Really, really just. Super funky. I had kind of a crappy night, and I was laying in bed and <laughs> was like, "I'm not gonna get to sleep." With a, it was, it was an Arthur thing, really. Like I've seen you do this, man. We're like, <laughs> you're like, why is Arthur back awake out of bed? And you're like, he's hunting in the kitchen for booze, and that's that's Insomnia. exactly what I did. All the lights were off in the house. Everything. I was laying in bed and like, fuck this. And I got back up and poured. In, I did at least do it fancy. I got myself a Glen Cairn glass out. You know? Wow. Wow. Well, um, it's much fancier than I get at home. <laughs> I that. don't even drink wine out of stemware at home. <laughs> um, if everyone can send a little bit of mojo to Ed's dog, not feeling too well, unfortunately. No, I spent the night uh, from about 10.30 last night till about 4.30 in the morning at the pet ER. She's not doing too well, but oh, no. she's a she's a 17-year-old. She's you know she's five past five years past her uh, her life expectancy. So you know she's she's chugging along. She's still she's had an amazing life. I mean it's she's not going to live to be 40, you know. But uh, yeah, it it definitely made for a long night. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, oh man. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, getting back into you know we we were just talking about some bartending stuff. Like, I'm. I was in D.C., uh, as we discussed in our previous episode, when I was getting ready to go, and yet I would just come back, depending on where you when we <laughs> recorded versus aired it. Um, and I was in D.C., and I have to give a shout-out definitely to my D.C. people because I got treated very well in town there. Um, thank you very much to Tracy Franklin, um, Freeman, Megan Barnes, the whole Espita crew. I mean, Megan, Danielle, Robin... Bismarck uh, just treated me really well. And then, of course, uh, Mezcal peeps, Rolf and uh, Patrick. Um, but, yeah, I also got to share some drinks with Jake from the Columbia Room, who's a fan of the podcast. So shout out to Jake. Thank you for listening. And it was good to, to share a drink with you. And uh, some late night drinks with Crystal Escalante. And it was a, it was a good time. But um, Anybody else you want to shout out to? Yeah, so Arthur Black is uh, kind of a <laughs> dick. Yeah, yeah whatever. Um, but while we were there, we had dropped by Service Bar to have some drinks, and everybody was definitely showing some solidarity with Speed Rack, which was happening simultaneously that evening. <laughs> so, like, the Speed Rack finals, if you don't know what Speed Rack is, you definitely need to educate yourself a little bit. And we're going to let Moni tell us a little bit about what that is. 
All right. Um, so Speed Rack is, is a really wonderful thing. It was created uh, by Ivy Mix and Lynette Marrero. It's a competition based on speed and accuracy, and it's made by women for women. And the proceeds go to breast cancer research. Uh, which is a really amazing cause that I honestly feel like will touch everyone at some point in their lives, whether it's them or someone that they know. Um, it's, it's all too common of a thing. So anything that we can do to, to help out is great. And I mean, they've raised $550,000 so far doing speed rack, which is insane. Uh, Bartending for boobs. <clears throat> it's a young event, right? Like what? Five years, six years. This is, we just wrapped up the sixth season. Six. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was my third time competing and, and my final time competing. Oh yeah. You're uh, gonna, you you got to retire at the top. Well, I mean, you, I, I, I think you, you can't to? do it oh, after you, can't do you, it after you, after you win, win nationals. Um, uh. I don't really know, but I'm actually really excited to, to see what the, the new girls have. I mean, I want to see all the new blood. So guess. how does it work? <laughs> I mean, so you work with the, it goes to the regionals and different cities first, and then it, it feeds into the nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, how many people out of each regional competition uh, make it through to the, the finals? So uh, the way the regionals works um, is there are uh, multiple applicants. I believe every region has about 60 or 70. Um, they narrow it down to 20 to 22. Um, the first year I did it, it was 20, but I believe the past two is 22. And then uh, we all get when we get our email saying, hey, you're in, you get uh, your preliminary cocktails in that email a month prior to, to competing. Um, this year was the first year that they did a different format for prelims. Normally it's here's four cocktails, practice, go eight fastest times, get into head to head. This year they did it a little bit more similar to the actual national style where they gave us six cocktails and they said, we will call you four, practice your combinations, go. Uh, and they give you your list of agreed upon classic specs that will be called to you during head-to-head rounds. Um, so you do that and then the eight fastest times uh, make it through. And so the top eight is really the only ones that, that people are seeing on stage. Uh, and they kind of do a bracket style. So, you know, first eighth, second seventh, three sixth, you know, four five. Um, and then they kind of narrow it down from there to the final. And then the finals, they give you dealer's choices. That's got to be a little nerve-wracking, seeing oh like God. who your competition's <laughs> getting ready to be with each subsequent round. Oh yeah, it's insane. I mean, there, it it's cool in that in the the years since I've done it, um, while the girls are we are taking it really seriously, and everyone's bringing like super super A game. Everyone's cutting their garnishes all crazy and. Um, you know, I've had to step up my garnish game and be a little bit more soigné. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, I mean, it's insane to see. But the cool thing is, is that you get this camaraderie amongst these female bartenders. Um, and it's, you know, we all want to win and we all want to take it home. But we all, at the end of the day, just like support the shit out of each other and love each other. Yeah. And, you know, especially this year, there's like this this extra sense of camaraderie. Um, and so, so after regionals, uh, you Speaking get. Speaking of Trump, <laughs> I yeah. know. Oh my God. Um, 
but yeah, after regionals, so they, you get the, the winner who goes on to the finals in New York, and then there's a wild card. So from any girl in the top eight, uh, there's voting that's done for like the two days after speed rack. They vote on the wild card. So the winner and the wild card from each regional then go on to the finals for 16 girls in the finals, and then half make it on stage and half don't. That's grueling, though, even in the finals. It, it is insane. How, I mean, that's, is that one day just blasting it out? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one day, but it's also like the month leading up to it. Right. You were just a ball of nerves. And I'm just like, I, I, when it, I would go into my bar shifts and be like, all right, guys, I call dibs on, uh, on service well. Please get out of the service well. Until speed rack is over, nobody's allowed here. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, you're from Chicago. So, I mean, and I feel like all of the good things that come out of Chicago's cocktail scene, no offense to any of the guys up there, but it, it, it's run by the most badass female bartenders in the country. Like, when you go there and you, when people ask me, where do I go drink? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, go see... <laughs> Moni here and go see this person there and go see this person there and like you know I get 15 down the list and I realize I haven't named a single male um, <laughs> awesome. and, and not that there are not cool people doing great things there um, that are male but you know I just feel like it's a little bit of an anomaly as far as like the town is run by female bartenders oh yeah um, and, I, and I've said that before we all kind of have we uh, it's it's a fairly recent thing. Um, I when I started out in this business, I was I was really young, um, and I've worked through various restaurants. But when I when uh, Sable Kitchen Bar opened, uh, almost say seven, there's a little over seven years ago. Oh my God! Uh, I, was, I believe that's where I first met you, but I don't yeah. think we really did much more than have a quick chat about over a, yeah. or over a cocktail that you're about <laughs> to pour for me. Well, I was a I was a 21 year old cocktail server. I knew nothing about anything, and they were all just like, "Cool, so we're gonna teach you everything from scratch." I got spoiled at a really young age, but when I first started uh, staging at Sable, it was it was definitely a, a very male run industry and. Somewhere along the way, the the women were kind of like, "All right, guys, we love you, but like, you need to step aside because we got this. You're just gonna you sit and you watch us make you money." <laughs> <laughs> so we we I feel like we kind of bulldozed over the guys, and we were just like, "You need to move now. This is my time." <laughs> Go get a bucket of ice. <laughs> um, no, I mean, congratulations. That's a, it's a huge win. I mean, it's a really big deal um, for those outside the industry. I mean, speed rack is huge. It gets talked about more than probably any other <coughs> cocktail competition in the country other than perhaps world-class. Oh yeah. World um, classes. <laughs> but like, I mean, it is, you can't avoid it on social media feeds when it's leading up to it. If you're in the industry, I mean, you're going to have, in fact, even if you're not in the industry, you probably know at least two degrees away, somebody that's, uh, trying their, trying their hand at, at making it through too. So, well, Obviously, it looks great on like a resume. Um, obviously, it sounds like a great experience. Is um, is there a, a purse or is there anything just besides bragging rights that when you win, you get a trip or they send you somewhere? Yeah, actually. Um, so, Pernod Ricard went all out for us this year. It was kind of awesome. They uh, after, And I didn't really know this, but after I... Uh, you didn't know until after you won? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was like after I won, it was like this huge, like weird blackout whirlwind where I was like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and then I remember Ivy like giving me a hug. And when she was hugging me, she's like, you get to come to Mexico and Ireland with us now. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, so Pernod like took us to <clears throat> the Altos distillery 
the beginning of May. Cool. Um, and then we are going to Jameson at the end of this month, it's which I'm distillery. excited about. I, uh, I've never if you need to anybody Ireland. to fill in for you in Ireland, <laughs> I mean, I can I can step in. Yeah. I'm well, not <laughs> amazing country. I mean, food's largely shit, but amazing hey, country. It's beautiful, beautiful. And you got a couple of food groups like beer, whiskey, fish, chips. <laughs> what so, else do you need? There's Oval. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a lot of us are actually extending our trips, and we're uh, we're going to London afterwards. Uh, so uh, the speed gro- speed rack girls are gonna pop up in London, I believe, on Saturday, July first. I believe. Oh wow! First. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna take over What's a bar in up? London. <clears throat> yeah, that is coming up. That's less than a month away. I know. You got a lot of travel coming up. I do. You're gonna I was- get canned from your job. I might. That's true. <laughs> now, you're currently bartending at Baleo? Uh, I'm bartending at Baleo at the Kimpton Gray Hotel. I'm also, uh, I also work in Volume 39 there, and I also work at Disco at Celeste, and I work for Loose Dow, and I'm trying to plan a wedding, so I don't know. And you've got to plan these trips, because <laughs> you've got the Ireland trip, a Mexican trip. A trip to Spain coming up? I do have a trip to Spain coming up. Yes, for I finally get to to go to Lustau and, and see how everything is done. I'm very excited about that one. How long have you been in this current position as a brand ambassador for Lustau? Uh, I just celebrated my one-year anniversary. So as of May 1st, it was one year. Um, yeah, I love it. It's honestly one of the best jobs I've ever had. I get to, I get to represent a brand that I feel so passionately about and a, a spirit that I have loved before I was paid to love it. <laughs> hmm. What was your aha moment with uh, Sherry? So uh, back when I was a cocktail server at Sable and was really young, um, when Sable first opened, it was it was a cool thing in that a lot, not a lot of people were, uh, there were only a handful of cocktail programs like that in the city and they were really focused on education. I mean, we had spirits trainings for a year, uh, it was, you know, come in once a week, learn about this this week and this next week. And they set up a good amount of trainings with us. And we had one um, with Gene Stiles from Tenzing, who still works at Tenzing. And I remember that training so well because she taught us what cherry was. And I had no idea what it was. And the first time I tasted it, I was like, oh, my God, this shit is delicious. Why is everyone not drinking this? What is going on? Um... And it, and it took a while, but definitely, I mean, cocktails have helped. It's been huge in the bartending community, community over the past few years, yeah. and it's it's always been a big thing within the sommelier community, but this, it's never gotten down to the consumers. Like, people, it, it just hasn't trickled down to the extent that it has to and need to, because they're actually, they've pulled up a decent amount of vines down in Andalusia mm-hmm. over the past several years. Um and that's a damn shame, you know. They've been making wine here for thousands of years. Yeah, and I mean, Sherry's definitely making a comeback um, in in the cocktail scene. And you know, the the kind of love of low proof cocktails now is starting to help it. Um, I know that myself. I'm like, I'm not in college anymore. I can't be hung over three days a week. That is not gonna work for an adult human being. And I feel like a lot of us. It know. doesn't. We try a lot. We it, 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 we fail <laughs> every time. Miserably, <laughs> failure. You know, and so I just I think that 
that now seeing sherry cocktails as much as you do is starting to help people appreciate it as a wine by itself. Um, and I think, and I feel the way that's that's done that for a lot of spirits. You know, like I feel like when people start learning about whiskey and start learning about all of these things, they get a, they they have them in cocktails. Like who's coming in and just being like, I just want to try it by itself for the first time ever. Well, I think you just hit it right there. It's a wine. Yes. Like, and I think people, when they think sherry, they're just like, I don't understand what it is. It's, is it liquor? Is it wine? Mm -hmm. Is it a a liqueur? I don't know what it is because we get a lot of questions like, so so what exactly is sherry? Mm -hmm. And that's that hurdle that we all need to overcome to be able to like get our listeners and like consumers out there. Because of course, the more people that are out there buying sherry, the less vines get pulled up. Uh, the more that we can all enjoy the fruits of the labor by going to the liquor store and getting a greater selection. I mean, how would you lay that out on the table if somebody comes in and is like, I usually drink vodka soda, like, but I want to try something cool and new. Like, what do you think? And if you wanted to turn them on to Sherry, what, what, what path would you take to do that? Um, I would probably <clears throat> do uh, like a Fino-based daiquiri. Um, I feel like anytime I'm trying to pull people onto cocktails in general, I go daiquiris because it's, if you hate a daiquiri, I'm sorry. I don't think we can be friends anymore. I totally agree with that statement. (laughs) I just think that that's, that's it. I'm sorry. I just, we closed this chapter. Um, but I, I tend to kind of mix it in with a little bit of citrus and, and get them in on the, the lighter styles. Um, because once they, and a fino sherry is more of a lighter style. It's the lightest style, yeah. Fino and Manzanilla is um, the driest wines in the world, and that's and that's the coolest thing about sherry. You know, the range is so so huge. It's oh my god, I'm using those words, um, but so <laughs> <laughs> all the Trump words. No, um, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. No, the best so wine the, ever. <laughs> <laughs> the range is, you know, you get the driest wine in the world, and then you get the sweetest wine in the world, and everything in between, which is the coolest part about sherry. It can you know? And I and I feel like getting it away from the misconception of the really sweet cream grandma sherries. I feel like once I know, like I, I mentioned sherry to somebody, they're like, "Oh, like, like the weird sweet stuff. Isn't that really sweet?" Everybody's grandma's got that weird bottle hanging around. The, the like Harvey's Bristol cream, right? Isn't that the yeah. one? That's the one. Uh, <laughs> no, I. So I, I, I like to start people off with a little bit of a, a lighter style and start them off in a cocktail. Um, you know, I've been on the Fino and Tonic train for a while now because I just think it's so perfectly refreshing. Um, but if you do it in a, in a cocktail where you don't have a ton of flavored syrups that are overpowering the actual wine um, and you don't have a ton of like crazy other flavors battling it out, uh, it kind of highlights the wine, and once people start appreciating it in cocktails, uh, they'll start appreciating it just by itself. And that's how I started off with most spirits that I, I sip on now. So uh, before we jump into getting a little bit gnarly on sherry and some production shit, because um, I just can't resist myself. <laughs> um, that's all right. We're, we're, we're going to go all out. <laughs> The most succinct way I can talk about sherry would be to say that it's a fortified white wine that goes through complicated aging experiences. Now, when we say fortified. I'll get to it. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to interrupt you. I, I've, heard these, I've heard your speeches before. So it goes, it's a fortified white wine that goes through a complicated aging process and utilizes fractional blending. 
So Sherry in his sentence, it's the best I can succinct. Um, Sherry, when starting to talk about it in an educational capacity, um, it is a fortified wine. So fortified is any wine where they have added spirit to it, either during fermentation, before fermentation starts, or at the end of fermentation. And in fortified wines, you have two primary camps, those that are fortified before fermentation starts and those that are fortified afterwards. Afterwards, we're called um, Vinda Natural, which Sherry is one of them, Madeira is another one, Port is another one. Those are the three. That's the holy trinity of fortified wines. And if you fortify before fermentation starts, that's called uh, Vinda Cour or VDL. And Pinot de Charente is probably the most famous one of those. And this is the part prior to before you get technical. Oh, I haven't even got started yet. <laughs> I know no. you haven't. But we do have a really beautiful sherry in front of us. And Lustyle is a pretty damn epic uh, definitive producer of sherry. Been around forever. Uh, late 19th century, as far as I know. Is that right? 1896. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, again, a lot of history down this area. And we are coming from southern Spain, um, Andalusia overall, and then the Hedeth within it. Um, we have some very famous cities that are down mm-hmm. there, three of them. Um, one of which Christopher Columbus sailed from. Which one would that be? San Lucar de Benamija, if I'm memory serves me correct. And he actually met his wife on the way over in a little island called uh, Porto Santo, which is off the coast of Madeira. Another beautiful little island. I was not aware of that. Yeah, fun shit, man. Um, absolutely some of the most amazing vineyards that I've ever seen. Ever, ever. So, any case... Um, what, can you tell us, uh, we'll get back to great varieties and unique soil structures and all that crap that maybe some of our guests want to listen to, <laughs> but can you give us a, a profile of, um, of Lou Style as a house and, you know, kind of their, their MO, their modest operandi, their approach? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Lusta started off uh, really as an all Monsonista. So what, uh, really quick, what all, all Monsonistas are. Um, they're very, very small producers that sell their wines to bigger houses. Uh, and so we started uh, with Jose Ruiz uh, Bardejo. He was uh, like a bookkeeper. And he was growing wines or, and for, you know, fortifying them, making sherry, and just kind of selling it to grocers. Um, and then when Emilio Lustau Ortega married into the Bardejo family. That's one hell of a name. Yeah. Um, well, he married uh, Bardejo's daughter uh, and then kind of took Lustau onto becoming its own house, its own producer. Um, and so. That was really when that happened. I mean, I, I believe uh, it became, it was in like, let me double check my dates. That was always the thing in history. Oh, we don't class. need facts here. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> so when he took, he took uh, Lustau to becoming one of the, the foremost like sherry houses in Spain. Um, and then when we were acquired by uh, Caballero, you now have those funds behind you to be able to invest in in aging and in all of these really cool, beautiful things. So you have your Solera, uh, res- like, familiar range. So that's kind of the standard cherries that we all know from Lustau. Um, and having those kind of financial backings behind you really, are you make it able to, you know, 
continue with the Almond Sinista line and then, you know, invest in those Vores lines, the very old rare sherries. And, you know, I have a 30-year-old PX in my house that I still have from Sherry Fest this year that is just so beautiful. Uh, PX being short for Pedro Jimenez. Pedro Jimenez, One yes. The, the sweetest wine in the world. Yeah, very sweet. That's up to debate. <laughs> Always got to be careful of definitives. And if you try some of like, the really, really crazy, like Rutherford, the Scots outside of Australia, um, or in Australia, sorry. Those are outside insane. of Australia, in the Out, ocean. Outside, right, yeah. in, the ocean. <laughs> in the Great Barrier Reef. Over by <laughs> New Zealand, a thousand miles away. Um, but I mean, it's definitely it's on that very short list of most decadent extracted wines. You mm-hmm. have, you know, Tokaya Zoo, you've got the Rutherford, the Scots. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Once you get that sweet, though, we're talking sweet. It's yeah. syrup. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. just stains I mean, the glass. Just it's, del- it's drinking a raisin, but I love mm. it. <laughs> Several hundred grams of residual With the right shepherd. food. And, and that's one of my favorite things about sherry is, and the reason I think I get most <laughs> irritated when, I don't know irritated, I guess disappointed that people don't pay more attention to the, the category is that it's one of the most food-friendly wines that you can possibly touch. I mean, it's it came up around Spanish cuisine. I mean, mm-hmm. almonds, olives. I mean, you mentioned yep. earlier, like, asparagus. It's you the know? only wine that pairs with asparagus. <laughs> Again, up to That's debate. That's another up to debate. <laughs> I, I can think of some pretty damn good Grunerveltners out there uh, that, that rock out asparagus. <laughs> I just recently sat my, for my first level psalm, and that's one of the, the facts that they liked to throw out at in the, the very, very brief sherry part of the sommelier it's tragic uh, yeah. I mean it honestly was like 10 minutes long <laughs> they were like really? the only yeah. wine that pairs with asparagus sherry <laughs> are you doing the uh, quartermaster sommeliers uh, yeah I was I was through that um, I would like to sit for level 2 I'm really nervous about that because you'll be I fine I mean he said for master so <laughs> <laughs> I mean a few times a few, yeah we're <laughs> okay. Alright, edit this shit out mm-hmm. We know what toilet this goes down Fuck them, I don't care <laughs> Hand me that bottle of sherry Yep. Hey, you can suck it <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean no, you know, I don't know a damn thing I mean, about that whole It was thing. intro, how much time can you spend on Sherry right. and intro Very good True. point very good. You know, You've it's got a lot of days. material that's spread <laughs> out And you're, you're covering everything on a very, very thin thin level But the pass um, rate's ridiculous too, right? It's like Oh, 90%, 90% pass rate on yeah, first right. level, probably about 60% pass rate on second level. Yeah. Um, but anyways, all right. So, <laughs> See, I back, told you we get off topic. Back, back to shit. It's okay. I mean, I have extreme ADHD. So, <laughs> so um, we already said that PX was one of the grapes. So what else you got? What other grapes? So there are three grapes in sherry production. Um, Palomino Fino being the main grape. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Muscatel and Pedro Jimenez. Um, Palomino Fino is responsible for all of the dry sherries. So Fino, Manzanilla, Amontillado, Palacortado, and Oloroso are all Palomino Fino. Um, and then you have... Take notes, folks. These Muscatel, are the dry ones. <laughs> which is its own thing, and so is PX. Uh, so Pedro Jimenez, the reason why it is so sweet, is a very low acid grape. I mean, incredibly low acid. So it really lends itself very, very well to becoming a sweeter wine. Um, and, you know, the Palomino Fino is this, like, really beautiful dry white grape. It's still not a, a huge ton of acidity to it as a grape in itself, but the way that um, 
in the aging process, you know, the floor, which we will get to, I'm mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. Um, will add that acidity because it is eating all of those sugars in the barrel. Wines are also acidified too. Um, and then of course the soil structures you have in the region are very, very, very alkaline. So you got three primary soil structures and a couple other miscellaneous ones, but uh, Alarit's is the good shit. That's Hadas Superior is where you want to come from. I'm sorry. Super chalky? Very chalky. If you yeah. just, but it's not like chalky like we're talking about when we very often it's fucking chalky. chalky soil. But it's like a little bit of finer chalk, yeah? Um, and then it's not compact? Or right. Yes, density is what I was talking yeah. about. Right. Yeah. Um, I get, I, yeah. It's chalky, but it's like not chalky. That's, that, you know, <laughs> it's, like fan, it's my fancy uh, sommelier <laughs> terms. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like a thing, but not a thing. You got your grapes. You're going to bring them in. Take it away. Of the soil? Uh, the production. Oh, production. Okay, perfect. Um, so, as far as production goes, uh, the main thing to know is the aging processes. Uh, so, the two styles of aging, we have biological and oxidative aging. Um, so, we're going to start with biological because that is the coolest, weirdest thing. Uh, so, in Spain, very specifically in the Andalusian Peninsula, there is a yeast called Flor that only really grows there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the Flor will grow on top of the sherry in the barrel, which is why we don't fill them up completely. The barrels are about 85% full um, to, to give that Flor the room in the barrel to really, really grow. Um, and what that floor does is it survives based on oxygen and sugars. Mm. Um, and so it'll almost kind of create a seal over your sherry. Um, and for phenos, which are all 100% aged biologically, um, it will sit there and it'll kind of keep the pheno from really grabbing anything from the barrel, which is why you'll see phenos that are these really beautiful pale yellow color um, that have been sitting in a barrel for multiple, multiple years, but they haven't really extracted any of that color um, that any other spirit or wine would because of the floor. Um, so it's sitting there and it's, it's keeping them bone, bone, bone dry. It's pretty, it's taking out all the sugars. Um, but it can really only live, it's a very finicky thing, it can only live between 15 and 18% ABV, um, which is part of the reason we have the Solera system. Um, and that's that, the fractional aging and blending um, but we'll move on to that. We'll go back to that later. So there are there are three types of sherry that are aged by that see biological aging, and that's uh, finos and manzanillas. Um, then we have amontillados and palo cortados. Um, so with amontillado, is it's aged partially biologically and partially oxidatively, as well as palo cortado. Um, but the difference is amontillado is done on purpose, um, and palo cortado is just this cool phenomenon that happens um and it's no one really knows when it's going to happen it does um and that's why i think it's such a cool style but the floor will naturally die off at some point and then it'll be like all right cool they you know gets tasted evaluated and it's like well you're going to be moved to the palo cortado solera now and you're going to become palo cortado um but with amontillado the alcohol levels are raised the floor will die off and then it'll be uh, aged as amontillado oxidatively for another, you know, and it kind of depends. We have we have two amontillados in our familiar range. We have the Los Arcos and we have the Escadria. Um, the Los Arcos is about like four years biological and four years oxidative. And the, the rare amontillado, the Escadria, is 
four and eight. So it kind of depends on how long you want to oxidatively age that afterwards. So when we're talking about oxidative aging, I mean, this is, we've all been taught, don't let your wines be exposed to oxygen for long periods of time because it gives it very weird, strange off flavors. But this is done intentionally with sherry. Yes. It's aged with a wide exposure to oxygen mm-hmm. um, without the floor without being the floor, on top. Yeah. Um, I, ha- I had a question on top of that as well because uh, I've read that floor, um, that kind of your least, your yeast, you know, topping that you've got there that's kind of sealing it off, not only is it uh, kind of consuming sugars and such, but also like um, some of your like glycerols and, yes. uh, and alcohols that are like kind of make it a very light refreshing like a, like a fino is of mm-hmm. course much lighter and refreshing um, than other sherries that you'll find that are not aged with floor and I yeah. know we haven't gotten to that quite yet <laughs> but but um, but that part to me is really fascinating as well because yeah. I mean that's um, a product that you, you don't really see anywhere else in yeah, I mean, um, I actually I don't think floor uh, grows anywhere else in the world, um, and it's and it's and it's alive. It does in a you few know? places. It does in a few there's places. A, there's a, right. a number of really obscure just appellations you'll never hear of. Chateau Chalon, um, coming from Jura, is a really badass wine. I've only had it twice in my life. Um, very odd, but it develops under floor as well. Oh, cool! I love then, the Jura. What's that? Because I love the Jura. Like in general, as, oh, a, re- you love as a region, Jura. as a region. I thought you were saying I like to share, uh, and you just were fucking was, it up. Yes, and I was <laughs> like, "What?" I thought You're you, you wanted to sick, share. Not me. I but. thought you wanted to share a bottle of Chateau Chalon. Um, you have some? Which actually, McGregor does, and he didn't know what it was. Texting he, right now. <laughs> he, he showed me that bottle, and he was like, "You know anything about this?" And I was like, "Yeah, the name of that bottle is a Clavian. It's got to be aged at least six years under floor. Um, blah 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 blah." And he was like, "It's good." I'm like, "That's really fucking cool." So we'll have to find an occasion, and I guess I'm just offering up his shit. To oh, you right. Now. I was gonna say, or you just say, "Dude, that's shit." <clears throat> I'll just take it off your hands oh, for that you. Piss. Yeah. Here, you <laughs> better better hand that over. But um, <laughs> so, it, but uh, to your point, there are so very few places that this will actually this phenomenon in the wine world will happen mm-hmm. um and it's very condition specific and Absolutely. It's, you know, it's just kind of a mix of all the things that come together in this area of the world where this will will develop um anybody confused yet anyone uh, <laughs> yeah everybody no, but i mean this <laughs> is what we're referring to constantly as terroir i mean i know we bring this up on every single episode but like when things can only happen in these certain conditions and they express the place at which they were made that's what we're talking about. Soil structure, uh, right. soil uh, structures. The soil, your uh, yeast, your... Ambient temperature. Yeah. I mean, all these things. And it's, and it's just amazing how winemakers over time, culturally, you just kind of just adjust to, to what your conditions are and what grapes are, are grown and, and, and learn and, and, and build on it. So before we get too much more into... <laughs> before we get deep here. Right. <laughs> so, Sherry... Fortified wine, you have two major camps, Fino, Oloroso. If it helps you to think of delicate Fino as fine, Fino, whatever. Uh, Oloroso, if it makes you think about Oro as like gold, gold. rich, or uh, I don't know, Oloroso just kind of sounds rich. Um, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but Fino is definitely much lighter, it's lower in alcohol, much paler in color, and more brighter, high tone fruits, whereas 
Oloroso, the other camp, uh, much richer, darker in pigmentation, more concentrated fruits, dried fruits, things like that. Um, even though all sherry is kind of known to have a, a slight kind of salinity kind of thing. Um, so, all right. Yes. Bring in the grapes. All right. The ferment them. You're going to ferment to different temperatures. Mm-hmm. You're going to fortif- uh, different temperatures, different alcohol levels. Uh, they're going to add in some alcohol. Agua diente to rest fermentation. And then they're moved into the Soleras, and either you have the conditions where floor will develop, or you don't, and that's going to be determined by even an area in the warehouse, um, but also the quality of the, the wine coming off the press. Usually yeah. the first 60 70% of the wine coming off the press is more likely to develop the floor, so that goes down a pathway, and the Oloroso goes down to another pathway. You sound really excited about all that knowledge you learned in uh, your training, you know? You're like, finally! get to be on a microphone and tell everybody what I learned. <laughs> hey, man, I like talking about Sherry. Hey, I, I completely understand. So do I. I always make my ADHD brain where I'm like, hey, this, and then I'm going to go on to this topic, and then I'm going to go on to this one. But wait, I'll get back to that. <laughs> just like mm-hmm. in a weird like whirlwind of trying to explain things, and I'm like, I'm confusing everyone. <laughs> well, I think that's the fallacy. Not fallacy. I don't know. That's, that's the pitfall of the alcohol world is that, there is no linear story. No, you know, no, not to anything. At all. We also we get wrapped up in how much we like beverage and how many seminars we've been to or where we've traveled right. to, and we realize that we speak alcohol better than we speak English you know? <laughs> by and, far. You know, oh, most yeah. people just don't know this shit. I mean, I, I've done talks on things like Madeira sherry, and someone's like, "Is that Chardonnay?" No. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, I run into it all the time when I teach class, and I'm like, ah, I'm not giving them enough. I'm not giving them enough. Yeah, Tyone, really, really weird soil structure in the Hadeth that's actually too calcareous for grapes to go on. Calcareous, that's, important. that's the damn word I was looking for earlier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> calcareous. <laughs> and, uh, and then they just look at me like, um, what's fortified? Like what we're looking at you right yeah, now. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. right. The exact same look that we're giving you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> So, um, we already talked about the pairing of um, a sherry a little bit. Um, what about uh, service temperatures? What's the best temperature to uh, have the different styles of sherry at? So, um, all, all sherry should have a slight chill on it. Um, I, as far as the finos and the manzanillas, those should be very chilled. Um, anything that sees some sort of oxidative aging. Even I, I even like Amontillado and Palo Cortado with a good amount of chill on it. Um, Does this Palo Cortado need to go back with you anywhere? Uh, no, that is a gift for right. you, my friend. <laughs> like, that is, the that bottle's is, getting emptier and yeah. emptier. It's all yours. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a smaller. You know, it's, not, it's, we're a, no, it's not a 750. It's we're not, not a 750. Don't start calling it's me fine. out on the It's beer. modest in alcohol compared to what we normally drink. <laughs> that actually is a good point. We've blasted through way higher proof much faster. Oh, I mean, like, that's like my thing of when I'm trying to, you know, party and hang with everyone and everyone's like, let's do shots. And I'm like, cool, share shots. That sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is social lubricant. What we're usually drinking is social turpentine. you want to be just slightly lubricated but you don't want (laughs) to be all sloppy i mean i've been sloppy a lot lately with everything that's been going on in speed riding yeah i bet that's kind of been a whirlwind yeah um but i need to calm down now so um you got um your fino you have your roller also and then you have the sort of subcategories within them but you kind of refer to 
all the subcategories as being Fino in the Fino family, and then the various subcategories of Oloroso being in the category of Oloroso. Yeah. So the way that in my the way that I kind of categorize it in my head is that uh, I go with like the dry cherries, uh, and I kind of categorize them by grapes. So uh, you know, I'll say like the the Palomino Fino cherries, and then the PX and the Moscatel. Um, although the Oloroso, and I and I like kind of presenting it that way to a lot of bartenders because it, it is cool when everyone side by side tastes right. um, and be like, look, this is all the same grape, but look at all of the different ranges. And so I'll, I'll present Oloroso's like, these are all of the dry sherries. So, uh, you know, you get your, your Finos, your Manzanillas, your Amontillados, your Palacortados. Those are all, those all see biological aging. Um, and then you have your Oloroso that never sees biological aging. Oloroso never sees floor. It is aged 100% oxidatively. Um, and, I, and I like kind of presenting it like that to people who don't really know a ton about sherry to kind of open their eyes as to all of the range of this one grape um, for the dry styles. Uh, and I'd be like, look, you know, like you, you taste the similarities throughout. You taste all of this and then um you get to your oloroso and you're like well it's still really dry but you're starting to get those like nutty raisiny caramel notes um it's a much richer mouthfeel um you know you have those more assertive flavors uh which is complimentary or compliments of the alcohol and of the aging process absolutely the oxygen exposure mm-hmm. <clears throat> um and so and that that's how i kind of like to to uh, present the cherries, um, and then I, I go to, you know, PX and Moscatel, and then I and then the way that when I do tastings is I, I kind of go through the line, and then I do I like to do the cream cherries last, um, because cream cherry. <clears throat> so that's what we were talking about earlier. It's like Grandma keeps that bottle of cream cherry. <clears throat> excuse me, that bottle of cream cherry around. Like, so what is a cream cherry? Because that's why I see a hell of a lot more often stuck behind a bar that doesn't really give a shit about what kind of sherry they've got hanging around or whatnot, and it might get broken out once every six months. I mean, what is that? Um, So a cream sherry is a blend of Oloroso and Pedro Jimenez. Um, So two grapes. Uh, You have your Palomino Fino and your PX. Uh, And the cool thing is, is like every bodega that makes a cream sherry kind of decides on what percentage they want to do of each wine. Um, we do a very high Oloroso. Uh, we do, you know, in our, in our deluxe cream is an 80-20% ratio, Oloroso to PX. In the East India, it's 85 to 15. So um, our, our East India is that, that really cool, like, beautiful light cherry. So even though um, it is sweeter, it is not so cloyingly sweet. Um, the color is much lighter, the body is much lighter, um, and that, you know, is, is a lot easier to kind of just, like, sip as if it's a regular wine to me, you know, or, like, an unfortified. <laughs> I was super excited to learn today that you guys um, have a pretty cool brandy, or several, but I just got to try one. Yes. Um, Did you say brandy? Brandy. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and the, you've got a sweet vermouth out there and the white vermouth coming in the following year. Yes. Um, in 2018, I presume. I believe so. That's when it's uh, scheduled to come out. I'm really excited about That's it. That's one of my personal obsessions is Spanish vermouth. Oh, my I God. Just, it's 
It's a very cool style of vermouth. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of done in the, like, Spain in general, um, when it comes to a lot of their wines, a lot of their beverage, they have historically just handled them in an oxidative capacity. Right. So, you know, you look at Grand Reserve of Rioja and how long it has to spend time in barrel and bottle before it's released to market. Um, it's a lot longer than most Grand Cru wines mm. that are out there. And with the vermouth, again, they handle it in a very oxidative capacity. So you get those rich, nutty, dried fruits, figgy, datey, um, raisin, golden fig kind of nuances, um, all compliments to the oxygen. Now, the vermouth you've got available on market now. Yes, the, um, the vermouth launched uh, earlier in the spring. And so you mentioned the botanicals that were in there earlier. But, I mean, as soon as I put the glass to my nose, I was like, sage. Yeah. I mean, beautiful. I absolutely love sage. I mean, it's one of the, my favorite things to grow in our garden. We grow it at two of our restaurants and mm-hmm. at home. And I mean, it was it was quite different than uh, um, several other, well, any other Spanish vermouths that we like to carry. But we've yeah. got a whole range. It's the first sherry-based, completely sherry-based vermouth that's launched in the U.S., uh, Gonzalez Bias actually just launched one as well. I don't know if theirs is fully out on market yet. I have not seen it in Chicago, um, but I wasn't super looking too hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but uh, if any of the bosses are listening, I wasn't <laughs> looking for I wasn't, it. <laughs> I mean, I, I do want to taste it. I would love to do a side by side comparison. Um, you know, I'm I'm all for being knowledgeable of of everything around you. You have to be. It, it yeah. really lends to credibility. If you work for a company that tells you don't drink anyone else's product, you <coughs> no. probably need to find a new fucking job. Yeah. I mean, you have to educate yourself and you have to go out there and you have to you have to taste all the things. Um, you know, I would I honestly I do want to taste it and I want to do a side by side comparison. I still truly believe ours will. <laughs> well, I mean, that vermouth is just one of the best things that I have tasted in a very long time. Um, and and it, and it's great in cocktails, but I don't even want to put it in cocktails. I just want to no. I just want to drink it. On, I just want to pour it on ice. And That's just, one of my favorite. Recently, I guess in the last maybe. I'm on and off, but in the last two weeks, I've kind of just like, that's how I'm wrapping my night up is just with a glass of vermouth. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, there's so few vermouth bars out there. There's so few sherry bars out there. We we talked a little bit earlier that um, the reconcepting of one of my favorite places in the country, you hadn't made it there yet, uh, Mm -hmm. was Mockingbird Hill uh, in Washington, D.C. Did you make it there, Arthur, when you were there? It's closed. Yeah, it's it's apparently permanently closed. So I was again, yeah, I was like, oh no. I was on. Route. As I mentioned and name dropped everybody in DC earlier in the episode, but um, I was getting ready to go, and my buddy well, was I like, "Dude, I finally got the open. details about it." Um, it's a Derek Brown concept, um, and yeah, they they reconcepted for Christmas. They did like a Super Mario bar, which was like badass. I saw photos, and I was like, "Oh my god, I want to be in there." It looks like being inside Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Um, but I thought that it was kind of a one-off, like, cartoon, or cartoon, Jesus Christ, Christmas thing. But, yeah, it's still cartoony. But, um, and I was like, that would be really cool. And so then Christmas ended, and I was heading out to D.C. in the spring, and, and I wanted to check it out. And I saw that they had kind of reconcepted to this uh, cherry blossom kind of situation. Oh. And I was like, well, uh, okay, I guess D.C. cherry blossoms make sense Yeah. Um, in the springtime. And I was just out there what, a week ago, two weeks ago, um, and two weeks ago, yeah. And 
uh, I had asked one of the distributors in uh, Washington, D.C. about it. And he's like, no, it's it's never going to go back to just being a sherry bar. Oh, that's sad. Um, which was, I mean, it was just one of the sexiest places ever because you walked in. It's a in, tough concept, though, It man. was just, it felt I mean, a little, like, it just felt like you walked inside of a sherry cask. <laughs> I mean, you could just smell the sherry. There was wood everywhere. It was just slightly humid on the inside. I mean, it would just... You felt like you were inside a sherry cask. That's how but, I felt at Barreval in Toronto. Yeah, but I, like, I think Arthur hit it on the head. I mean, it's a tough concept. And one of the points that was raised by one of my friends in D.C. was like, oh, I loved the place, but the problem that I saw was that you wanted to go hang out there once every four or five months. And... You know, that's just not the, you know, that's not going to sustain the business. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, Derek Brown's, you know, one of those guys that's like ruling half of D.C. So uh, no idea what the financial end end of that is. But uh, it's a shame because I really wanted that place to be open again. Yeah. Actually, my uh, my sister and my best friend live in D.C. And uh, she had texted me a photo of a a Christmas themed bar, like a Christmas thing that she had went to and this like photo of the menu. And she's like, I'm drinking all the sherry. That's, my sister does that now. Um, I, I wonder I if they were at the train. Hill. They might've been actually, it was like, it was a menu and it was all like Christmas out, which I got really excited about because I'm not a glittery human being by any <laughs> stretch of the sorts. I'm not, I'm not glittery. Um, but like, I have no no inherent sparkle. No, no sparkles. Uh, <laughs> but like Christmas time, like my house is a winter fucking wonderland yeah. and I go all out like and my fiance is just like all right babe this we're you're going to do this but you're cleaning this up <laughs> my dad does that shit like my dad has always been one of those like stoic like I don't want to fucking go to the movie theater cuz people are going to be sitting next to me and I don't want to hear it and then like christmas rolls around and he's like let's deck the halls and yeah. let's get giant snowmen. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's the complete opposite, you know, like the holidays really get to him. Yep. I'm like that. I'm just like, I don't want glitter on anything. And then Christmas comes along. And I'm like, what can I put glitter on? Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. But, uh, anyway, what were we talking? I have no idea. It was something about, uh, I we're think, whiskey. We're DC. talking about whiskey. We're oh, talking about nice. a sherry bar in right. D.C. And then we, we rolled. Well, we were talking about the brandy things. and the vermouth. Yes, um, the brandy and the vermouth. The vermouth was definitely, um, I mean, I, it was delicious. You know, I, yes. I really hope that we get that in market soon. Um, Do you know that Spanish brandy actually has to be aged in sherry seasoned barrels? I did not know that. Spanish brandy? Yeah. It does, yes. Yeah. This um, came from memory. I don't know why. I believe that uh, the DO is regulating six months as a minimum, um, but in Lustau, we age it for a three-year minimum. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, because we've been around for so long, this is the, the best part about having, you know, working for this bodega that has been around for so long. It has that rich history, you know you have all those barrels you can you can age very very well and you can take your time um which i really appreciate so you have you know the reserva that's aged for a minimum of 10 year, or three years and then you have the grand reserva which is a minimum of 10 um and again all of these are average aging because we do a solera system sure. for everything so you can't ever have like a specific vintage on anything could um, you speak about um uh, vos and vrs sherry 
Um, I I would love to. Uh, the the Vors Sherry is still one of the biggest holes in my knowledge, unfortunately, because we just don't get those in the U.S. Um, at least not with Lustau, which is unfortunate. Um, so that's one of the things that, like, the second I get to, I mean, I have a list of specific Lustau skews that we cannot get in the U.S. that the second I land in Spain, I would be like, cool, I need to look this up and this up and this and this and this and this, and I would like to taste all of these things. Thank you. <laughs> there was a really um, badass tasting in New York late last year. Uh, I think it was maybe December. Um, the Master Wine Institute put it on, and they had about probably like 200 wines there. Um, and wines of Spain just like inundated them. I mean, there was just, there's like a table of Madeira, which is bullshit, um, <laughs> but there were like 20 tables of sherry, and they had a bunch of really badass VOS and VRS. Um, it was essentially just very old, minimum 20 years for VOS, mm-hmm. and I think 30 years for VRS, and they, they get funky. I mean, just delicious, but damn, pungent, yeah. funky, awesome stuff. Well, that's kind of brings me to an interesting question um, that I was thinking about as you were chatting there. Um, I mean, we were talking about Mockingbird Hill in D.C. no longer being a sherry bar, but I mean, are there sherry bars in the U.S. that, you know, people should be on the lookout for? Uh, um, I know it's it's a tough gig, and I there's none that come to mind personally. I'm sure we'll get emails uh, from <laughs> all of them that exist that we don't give a shout out to, but um, I mean, Please send me those emails too. I would yeah, like to right. Know, like, I want to know where we, these we want to are. know where you are. Like, if you're the, if you own a sherry bar, please contact us. We want to put you on the map. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in Chicago, you know, we have a we have a few places. Um, we have Vera in Chicago that does a really beautiful sherry program. Liz Mendez, um, you know, loves all things Spanish wine, and she's just a delight. And I and I love going in there. Um, and it and it's a cool thing in that. Um, you know, it's, it's the good and bad. Like I, I, I see a lot of sherry in that bar. It's not all necessarily my sherry, but, uh, I appreciate that I get to go in and, you know, taste all of these different, um, different wines from all these different producers. Um, but Vera is, is the one in Chicago that comes to mind as far as a sherry bar goes. Um, Black Bull is also one. It's a, it's a Spanish restaurant, but they do a huge, huge sherry program. Um, and again, they just, they carry so many different ones and they, and they do a bottle program as well, which is really great. Um, so when I was there, uh, I actually, maybe like eight months or so ago, I had a, one of our Fino and Ramas, um, which I was very excited about, uh, because I hadn't seen that. Um, and Rama is, is a natural sherry. So it's just kind of like pulled straight from the barrel, bottled and it's done. Starting to see a little bit more around the country. Essentially it's the raw sherry and uh, raw or unfiltered or unfined Mm -hmm. sherry. Although I think some people still filter them. They're just, they don't say it. But try them if you see them. They're cool. They are. They're very cool. They're really funky. Um, but yeah, so so the two that come to mind in Chicago for me are Vera and Black Bull as far as a, a really substantial sherry program. Um, Mercat a la plancha just has a, a great sherry program as well. Um, but most of the places aren't actually like sherry bars. They're more restaurant. They're right. more like tapas restaurants that have sherry because they're Spanish restaurants. You know, that's kind of been one of my techniques, though, of, like, finding a good cocktail in a city. Because um, you can go into any city these days and 
you know, I always like, okay, where are the great cocktail bars? And there might be a handful, but the way that the restaurant industry is headed these days, you can't have a liquor license and not have a forward thinking, well thought out cocktail menu. Yes. And really a specialization on top of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, here's what we do here. Like, I mean, so I mean, obviously one of my places we do, you know, rum, that's our thing and, and whiskey and a different and whatnot. But, um, you know, that's, if I'm not sure of what I'm going to be walking into, you know, I know I'll just go to a well-known restaurant or a restaurant that's got a good reputation and, and, and I can guarantee that I can get a good cocktail because if they're taking the drinks as seriously as they're taking the food, then I'm likely to get a good drink. Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, it's, it's now coming, becoming standard, you know, like it's, well, you know, when when Sable opened seven oh, plus plus years ago, uh, and I do love we, Sable. Sable uh, because that bar's uh, my baby, <laughs> and it was one of and no secret rum drinker. So like it was one of the places where you could go get a badass rum drink. I mean, way back going to like Mike days and mm-hmm. like Freddie days and all that. But it's still like that was the first time I heard or I had um, Freddie Sarkis's version of the Jungle Bird. Oh, yeah, uh, the Tensor's Transformation. transformation. Yeah. I loved that Because drink. we got to be geeky about it. Uh, yeah. Little Dungeons & Dragons. That was the Dungeons & Dragons menu. <laughs> Mike Ryan, if you're listening, I love you, but you're a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so we, last time I was there, eh, maybe two times ago when I was there, uh, I walked in. I, ha- I I don't know anybody there anymore. Um, I used to know a lot of people, and I don't know anyone, and I didn't recognize the bartender, and and he said, uh, what would you like to drink? I said, you know, I, I don't see a lot of rum drinks on the menu right now, but I'm a rum drinker. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go total dealer's choice. Whatever you want to do, I'm not even going to tell you if I want it boozy and stirred or shaken or fruity or whatever. You just do whatever you want to do. Yeah. I don't care because I like it all as long <laughs> as it's got rum in it. And he comes over. He goes, all right, so what we got here is kind of a play on a jungle bird. And I was like... <laughs> And I looked at him, I said, is this a Tendros transformation? And he was like, yeah, how do you know that? And I was like, well, that was the reason I gave you dealer's choices, because that's what I always order here. So well, I was hoping to get something different. I was like, but you know what? You read my palate right right off the bat. Yeah. Like, you, you. I mean, we're seeing eye to eye, you know? They, uh, um, it was they, a rough night, though. We, we actually <laughs> had a really, really bad night. Because, I mean, we were, God, what the hell were we in town for? Oh, I was with uh, Joshua Gonzalez from Thunderbird, mm-hmm. and we were there for a Mount Gay blending deal. Oh, cool. And so we were with Aaron Hayes. She met up with us afterwards. We met up with Aaron Hayes. Uh, check out uh, episode two, and you can listen to Aaron talk about aviation gin. Uh, but Aaron, we were just kind of like killing time uh, before this like whole whole um, Mount Gay event that where we drank like three bottles of Mount Gay uh, with a distiller. <laughs> but... Um, it quickly devolved, starting at Sable, um, which kind of leads me to, to our last question before we wrap up every show here. Do um, you have a hangover cure? I do have a hangover cure. Oh, that looks, that's a serious face. Look at I, face. I like, I need, I keep yellow vitamin water, but only the yellow, because I think all of the other flavors are disgusting. Um, it has no, is, is that like purple drink? <laughs> It's like it's weird. It's like the weird like tropical citrus energy thing. Okay. I so don't it's know. got a flavor. It's not it's, just yellow. It's got a flavor, and it's like vi- it's like sugar flavor. <laughs> it's like sugar with a slight hint of some artificial something. 
Um, <laughs> Sugar it's, flavored with artificial something. Yeah, it's a it's Find supposed, your local grocer. It's supposed to be citrus, but who knows? Um, but it's always it's always a yellow vitamin water and the greasiest cheeseburger known to like. I just need a greasy cheeseburger. Like, if a, whether it's in Chicago, I mean, Red Hot Ranch is my jam. Red um, Hot Ranch, where's that at? Next time you're in Chicago, you check that out. There is, there's a couple of locations, uh, but I live in Ukrainian Village, and the one closest to me is on Western Avenue. It's like Western and Armitage. Uh, and this is it's a tiny little shack, okay? And all they do is depression dogs, very different from Chicago dogs, by the way. Uh, <laughs> depression dogs, by the way, are just uh, onions, relish, sport peppers, and mustard. That's yeah, it. never catch up on never, anything no. in Chicago. Like, you will be kicked out of the city. You're not allowed <laughs> to do that. Um, anyway, so depression dogs, Polish sausages, fried shrimp, and very recently they added their burgers, which are just one of my favorite things. They were actually so really similar. This is all your hangover cure? <laughs> yeah. I'm I thinking, mean, like, this is a fucking okay. No, no, this is, like, literally all that Damn. Red Hot Ranch does. That's okay, all you all can right. get there. Okay, There's, like, five things on the menu. I just wanted to make sure. Um, like. <laughs> I mean, I, there there has been times that I've done the double cheeseburger with this. With that, that comes with fries, by the way, for six bucks, which is, like, you can't beat that deal. Damn. Um, and then, you know, you maybe get it with a half pound of fried shrimp and some mild sauce. Because... <laughs> That's that's what you, you might do. get a half pound of fried shrimp you with the burger. You might get a you know my uh my my fiance taught me that Graham I love you but you made me fat. <laughs> I have to check out check it out next time in Ukrainian village. Yeah, I mean they're open to like four in the morning. I was so drunk in an Uber last time I was heading towards Ukrainian village to a, a bar or a late night restaurant. I don't even remember now because I was uh, consuming herbal supplements and alcohol and. I was being a smart ass with the Uber driver. I'm like, where? He's like, where are you going? I'm like, we're going to the Ukrainian village. He's like, all right. I'm like, come on, man. You speak Ukrainian, right? And he's like, yes, I am a Russian. I was like, oh, fuck, dude. I was just kidding, man. I don't really speak Russian, man. Like, uh, like, I don't actually do that. Sorry. <laughs> right. Like, but we're just going to that place. And then I got yelled at by my passenger that was also with me. I was like, will you stop getting all the Uber drivers high? Oh, it's, it's funny. I just yeah. That's like when I uh, when I'm I like, try and bust out. When they drive out. more relaxed that way. <laughs> it's like it's like when I try and bust out like my really bad Arabic. When I I come across a human that also speaks Arabic, I'm like, hey, I can kind of understand you. And I like well, you know, I've I've learned not to do this anymore and start a conversation because then I immediately be like, yeah, I can't finish this conversation. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I understand. I've already what you're burned through the 17 though. words that I know. Yeah. 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 That can be a danger. And, you know, I can get myself around, kind of. <laughs> yeah, because bunny, that's the... Uh, you know, bunny means the, brown. That's right, but brown's way Browns, born. yeah, exactly. Do not call her Moni Brown. <laughs> her dad will get pissed at you. He will get pissed. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank but. you so much. Yeah, no, this is awesome, man. I mean, it's um, there's so much more. Sharing, and there is, there is so just... much. <laughs> well, you uh, you're gonna be back in town at some point, though. Um. I will be. Um, but before we go, may I really quick for all the bartenders out there? Um, until is this gonna air before June 30th? Yeah, you're gonna be up here like 
In two days. Yeah? yeah. Oh, man. All we're, right. th- we're cutting it close. That's nerve-wracking. Um, so, <laughs> well, it's right, better than live. As, as I mean, right now, you know. <laughs> um, because we did, we did mention the Brandies. Uh, there is a nationwide competition going on. Um, it is the Lustau Solaris Standout Competition. Um, cool. And it is open to all bartenders nationwide. It's done through Chilled Magazine. Um, and the you have until June 30th to submit an original Lustau Brandy cocktail using any of our products but brandy of course there needs to be one ounce of brandy in there um submit your cocktail your recipe your story your photo and then you wait to see if you're one of the four people that get to go to spain i was gonna say please tell me that the final yeah prize is spain oh the final the the final prize is an extra grand on top of going to spain uh, the grand's all right i mean that's just gravy (laughs) that's just gravy on top of a spain trip but that is right exactly that's very awesome that's very generous so, All right, well, I've got to go because yeah. i got to go start working on a uh, recipe here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for coming. Um, Thank you for no, having me. This was me. awesome, and I can't wait to have you back. And I hopefully we'll see you in about a week and a half. I'm going to be in Chicago here soon um, to see Iron Maiden. So are you going to miss it? Are you seeing Maiden this time around, Arthur? No, no. Um, i got some other travels coming up. I don't know if I could pull away to, to go check out Iron Maiden, but I bet the people watching will be awesome. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Ghost is opening, even though that's a whole other story since like they don't really exist in their original form because they're all suing the singer. But, yeah, I'm going to see Maiden in a few weeks in Chicago and then mm. next month in July in uh, St. Louis. So... Damn. Very much looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Can't believe you're not going. Ah, uh, I, I bet. I mean, I invited you to see Obituary and Creator. You weren't there. I know, man. We were there at the Slayer know. show. Man, loved it. Need to, <laughs> yeah. Need to get out more often, apparently. <laughs> well, Moni, thank you so much. Thank this was you. awesome. I'm so glad you were able to make it down. To Indy and talk Sherry, and again, congratulations on the huge, huge, <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> it was a tremendous speed rack win. Thank, thank you. It's the best. It's the best. It's un, it, it was tremendous. There's, there's never going to be one better. It was, it was crazy. I mean, Chicago rolls deep. I mean, props to everyone from Chicago that flew out. It was insane. And you know what? That trip that you took to New York, and all those Chicago people took to New York to support you. We're going to make another country pay for it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Let's do it. You know, because Welcome not? to nothing Trump's matters. America. Nothing matters anymore. <laughs> nothing. It's fine. There are no rules the, anymore. I mean, the world's going to be over in, what, 50 years? Tops? Oh, tops, tops. yeah. Tops. Yeah, tops. we're not going to make it that long. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We aren't. She might. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope I don't. I don't want to see the end of the world. That's crazy. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we hit the gas on the end of the world this week. <laughs> If I lived to see the end of the world, I'd be like, what are all the stupid things that I never did while I was alive because, you know, it could have potentially killed me? Bring it on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That last week is going to be one week of fucking debauchery. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.